There's a saying that gets thrown around occasionally in the business world that goes something like this. We overestimate what we can get done in a day and we underestimate what we can accomplish in a year, which is probably why we often feel like we don't get much done as we work through our days. But when we look back to where we were last year or the year before, we are amazed at some of the changes that we've seen and experienced. Hi, this is Rob Marsh. And I'm Kira Hug. And we're the founders and hosts of the Copywriter Club podcast. Our guest for today's episode is copywriter and copy coach, Lindsay Hyatt. Over the past two years, Lindsay has experienced some big changes in her business as we chatted with her. She shared a few of the things that she's done that made all of the difference. Activities like showing up regularly on social media, creating personal connections with their network, and exploring new opportunities for serving her clients. They're small things, but they produce really big results. In short, she puts in the reps. So stick around to hear what she has to share about her business. But first, this episode is sponsored by the Copywriter Accelerator, which is our signature business building program that we are running in the fall for four months in the fall. And Lindsay actually is an alumni member of that program. So she'll speak to a little bit of the that program and the benefits, and you can hear from this conversation how it's helped her in her business. If you have any interest in learning more about that program and the eight-part framework we work through in that program that will help build the foundation of your business, you can learn more at our waitlist page, which is at thecopywriterclub.com forward slash accelerator dash waitlist. We'll link to it in the show notes so you can jump over there and get your name on the list if you want to explore that program with us this fall. Let's kick off our episode with Lindsay Hyatt. Well, I have a winding road, but it started with copywriting, which I feel like not many copywriters say. (laughs) So I started as a copywriter in radio, was my first job out of college. And I wrote radio commercials for four different stations, all completely different genres. So that was the beginning of learning about brand voice for me. Um, And I love that. And then from there, I kind of got deeper into marketing as a whole and learning about creating campaigns and launching campaigns um, and for different industries. So at the time, I was actually in healthcare marketing, which is a whole different game. Um, And I really love the creativity part of it. But what I didn't love right off the bat was feeling like I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't really have a lot of guidance in in the first few jobs that I had. So um, I actually had some, unfortunately, some bad work environment experiences that really molded the early parts of my career in marketing and it made me run in the other direction. So um, I actually took a break from marketing uh, to pursue the other nagging interest that I had, which was education. And I had moved to Michigan uh, with my now husband who's from there. And while I was there, I went to the University of Michigan to get um, my graduate degree in education. And I became a fifth grade teacher, which (laughs) seems completely out of out of the blue, but it was it was kind of one of those things that I thought I could go in this direction, or I could go in that direction. And I went in the direction of the creative route. Um, so this kind of gave me a chance to explore what what does life look like as an educator. I loved working with the kids. Fifth graders are super weird, but like really cute still. It's like a really good combination. Um, but after a few years of doing that, the the market for 
finding a great job in education um, and at the elementary level was difficult. So I had already started to think like, oh, I don't know if I want to continue on this route, clawing my way into a great public school classroom, you know, maybe in five to seven years time. Um, I was already feeling that draw to get back to my creative roots. So actually, while I was teaching in Michigan, I launched a blog that be kind of became my my touchstone to keeping that creative flow alive. And I called it the Daily Sampler. And I called it that because I wanted to set the stage for myself to write every single day, which was quite, quite the task. But I, for the first year, I wrote in that blog every day. And I wrote about nothing important. I didn't write about politics or education or I wrote about the Oscars. I wrote about movies and music and cocktails, like just anything that was fun for me. And it actually had a pretty good following. Um, It was a way for me to keep in touch with my friends and family network back in Buffalo, New York, where I'm from. And it also also opened up doors for me to meet people all over the world. Um, Fun, quick story. I was actually in Italy for a small amount of time with my husband who was doing archaeology. That's a long story. Um, But there were people came up to me at a cafe and asked if I was the writer of the Daily Sampler because I was writing about my time in Italy. So it it was a really fun time and it allowed me to improve my writing skills and keep that creative flow going even when I was, you know, working hard with kids and doing the educator thing. Um, And so eventually I moved back home to Buffalo and I jumped back into marketing. I had a few more jobs where it felt like there was another work environment situation that was really tough. And it really started to have me question everything that I thought about working in corporate America. Like, is this all there is? Is it just like, hopefully you do work you're really passionate about and hopefully the people are nice and hopefully like you look forward to work. And if not, you just kind of get through it. And I just thought this, this can't be it. Um, I started to think about what if I had my own business, but I just never saw how. I just never saw that it could be a reality. I don't have like entrepreneurs in my life um, that I could pull from experience. So I kept going, and I thought, you know, maybe someday, maybe, maybe when I've paid my dues, and you know, maybe when I'm like in my mid mid career and things feel more stable, um, I will explore that. So fast forward to the pandemic. I was about to have my second daughter. And I, I told my husband, like, I don't want to go back to this job that I'm at. I, it just does nothing for me. Uh, it's it's not meeting <laughs> any kind of creative expectations that I had. And, you know, I just want to see if there's, this could be a possibility or, or I'll have to get another job when I return from maternity leave. I had my daughter and two weeks later, the world shut down. And because of that, <laughs> it shifted everything for us. Um, my husband lost his job during that time. I was on maternity leave. So, you know, we were freaking out a little bit, but that is when I started to freelance again on the side of my nine to five once I returned from maternity leave and I started writing and I was immediately transported back to why I love to do it, how good it felt, how good it felt just to be creative. And at the time I was writing for clients in like HVAC systems. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like really juicy, interesting stuff. I was just thrilled to be writing again and to work directly with a client and be, feel like be, I was able to help them directly. So um, after some time, I realized 
I might be able to match my salary if I can focus on, you know, I had these, I had two retainer clients at the time. If I could just bring on one more, if I had the time to do that, because I was working nights and weekends on the side of my nine to five, I think I could do this. And we worked it out, convinced the husband. He's been very supportive ever since. And I made the leap in 2021. I launched my business, Lindsay Hyatt Co. full time. And within a month or two, I matched my salary. And I thought, why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> um, so it, that, I mean, it was a winding road to get there, but I'm so grateful that life shifted the way it did, uh, though it was very hard for so many reasons during that time. It brought me to this opportunity today where I can work directly with clients and really dig in deep with them and see how I can help their business to flourish. And that has been so rewarding. All right. So I have about eight questions that come <laughs> out of like different times along the timeline. And unfortunately, I have to share the questions with Kira. So I'm only going to ask one of them right now. But uh, I want to go all the way back to writing for radio. Uh, something we actually haven't even talked about on the podcast. I can't remember. Maybe we did with Luke Sullivan briefly, but um, I know it's your first job, so you're not necessarily a seasoned copywriter, but when writing for radio, you don't have any visuals, you, you know, so talk about that process and, and what you did as far as like communicating, you know, the offers, the, the companies, that, that stuff in such a unique medium. So I worked very closely with the sales team in radio and they were the liaisons between the clients and myself. So I was very lucky to have a great sales team that knew their clients very well. Most of them were repeat customers of, of theirs and of ours um, and be able to tell me about their business. They spend a lot of time getting to know them. And then, of course, if there were specific promotions, everything would be laid out in a brief for me. Um, it also helps that being in Buffalo, it's a pretty small town. So I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the businesses that we worked with and kind of knew their knew their brand and had heard their radio spots and saw their spots on TV and kind of had an idea of what their voice would be like. Um, and then, of course, also knowing the information for each radio station and who the audience was. Um, and, you know, so we we had everything from urban to country to easy listening. So they, these were all completely different age and demographics. And then being able to pull those together to write a 30 second spot or a 60 second spot. Um, so I working with the sales team was very collaborative and lucky for me, it also gave me a background in sales and, you know, learning how how all of that worked together seamlessly with the creative. So Lindsay, as I hear your story, I'm wondering, you know, it seems like you have this intuitive hit where you know, okay, I got to go to the next thing or I got to figure this out. You know, you said this can't be it. So I'm just wondering like how how do you make those decisions around when to pivot? How do you know if it's a good decision or it's time to make that leap? That has definitely grown for me over time. I think as I've experienced so many different things and as I've gotten older and hopefully a little wiser, I've learned to trust myself more than I probably did like in my 20s when I was starting out. Um, I always have a sense of frustration when I feel like I know that there's something else coming. Um, 
an example would be my last nine to five job. When I when I took that position, I was I was really happy to. The company I was working with at the time was like having a lot of troubles and I, I didn't know how much longer they were going to be around. So I knew I needed to to jump. Um, but I knew that the position that was being offered to me was not something that I was interested in doing, but I, f- I didn't listen to my gut then. I, I was motivated by some fear and like, oh my gosh, I have to keep a job so I can provide for my family. And I knew on day two of that new job that it was not the right place for me. And I didn't listen to my instincts. So in the last couple of years, I've gotten very good at not ignoring that and trusting that I can listen to that. And also nothing is permanent. Like if I make a decision and it's the wrong one, which I don't think that's really such a, there's such a thing as the wrong decision. Um, nothing is permanent. I can change gears or I can get a new job or I can shift and pivot. So I've gotten more comfortable with that over time. I also want to ask about your daily writing habit. Uh, when you were blogging, that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, it's not an easy thing to hit publish every single day. I actually did a quick search for your blog and was a little <laughs> bit disappointed it's not out there anymore. I know. Or at least I, not anywhere I can find it. So, But uh, tell us about that. Um, the dis- like, How did you structure your time so that you knew you were sitting down to write? Or was it just kind of as it came and some nights, you know, 10 o'clock rolls around and you're in a panic because you haven't posted anything yet? Like, talk, talk through that whole habit. I was craving creative writing so badly at that point. Um, I also didn't have much of a social life at the time, so that helped. But I treated it almost like a, like a second job. I took it very seriously. I made a commitment to myself to do this. And actually, I almost forgot about this, but the reason, not not just to have a daily writing habit, but I had applied for some jobs to get out of education and get back into the creative part. And I had been turned down because I didn't have enough of a portfolio of writing at the time because it had been so long. And I thought, I just need to start doing this again. So I was really committed to myself. And I would wake up in the morning and go throughout my day. You know, I'm sitting in art class with my fifth grade class and thinking, oh, that's a great idea for a blog post. I, and I would jot a little note down, you know, I was always thinking about looking for inspiration you know, whether it's something I heard on the radio or on TV or in my classroom or something funny someone said to me. I was also very attuned to pop culture, which was really what the whole blog was about. So I could hear something silly about Taylor Swift, and I'm going to talk about that tonight in the blog. So I'd kind of make a note for myself, and I looked forward to doing it. So I really enjoyed it. And you you took off. I mean, I didn't realize that you took off during the pandemic. And also, I didn't realize that you had your baby during the pandemic. Um, I'm wondering what helped you take off so quickly? Because, I mean, you mentioned what you matched your salary by 2021. Yeah, Yeah, like in a month and a half, two months. That's nuts. What were you doing during that time? I was so fortunate because I know most companies, most businesses don't start off like that when, when you're starting from scratch. But I, once I knew this was a move I was going to make, I started to plant seeds and I would reach out (laughs) to people I trusted in my network. And I'm talking the whole network. I'm talking people I used to work for, people I interviewed with, um, friends, family, like anyone. I I pulled the pride thing and I threw it away. Like I'm just going to put myself out there. And I started emailing people and sending messages on social if I had a relationship with them and said, 
you know, this summer I'm launching my business full time. This is what I'll be offering. I would love your support. If you need this kind of service for copywriting, or if you know anybody else that does, I would love to talk with them. Um, and I just kind of put myself out there and I started planting the seeds as soon as I knew. And that made it so by the time I launched on June 1st, officially, I hit the ground running. I had the two retainer clients and I already had some irons in the fire that were you know, ready to, to start burning. So I, um, that's how I was fortunate enough to secure my next client pretty quickly. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into this. Cause it's one thing to say, I was putting myself out there, but let's talk about like specifically, what did you do? Because I, I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, well, yeah, I'm putting myself out there. I'm, you know, I posted on Instagram a couple of times or, you know, I updated my LinkedIn profile, whatever, uh, did you like go through your calendar or your your um, your Rolodex? Your, you know, identify people to reach out to. Did you structure your times so that you were doing it? Like, let's talk about the specifics. I made a list of people. Like I said, everybody I could think of. I went through my LinkedIn, just kind of behind the scenes, who I'm connected with. Um, I went through old emails of people that I had interviewed with and hit it off with. Um, I just I started connecting with people, asking people to have coffee with me. At the time, of course, we were all quarantined at home. So it was actually quite easy to say, hey, do you want to have coffee over Zoom? People were looking to connect with people in general. So no, you know, not even any kind of um agenda, but just to say like, hey, this is what I'm doing. What are you up to? How can I support you? So for me, it was always really about having conversations with people and just not being afraid to introduce myself or reconnect with somebody from my past. I'm a big, big believer in personal brand. And so social media was always part of the game for me. Um, I started a brand new Instagram feed for my business, started it from zero. And I did all the things on LinkedIn of, you know, once I launched, I changed my title and all of that. But I am pretty committed to showing up on social media as myself and putting content out there that I am inspired by, that I think could inspire others, and just blatantly sharing what I do. And so people know because most of the time people aren't paying attention and you got to keep coming back and coming back. So between social media, um, putting content out that supported my new business, and also just having good old-fashioned conversations with people, that was really what got me started. And let's talk more about building a personal brand because that is something that you've done really well. And I think that works well today when we are pivoting more frequently, your personal brand, you carry that with you no matter what. Um, so what are some ways we could think about building our personal brand, um, strengthening that? What is working for you today or what have you seen work for others? Yeah, the word authenticity gets thrown around so much and to the point where it's kind of annoying now. Um, but sometimes that's just the best word to use. I just think that if you're comfortable enough, just being you, like whether that is showing up in your pajamas and sharing a post or a story on Instagram or having a whole content calendar of your thoughts, your inspirations, things you've learned that you think would be helpful to people in your audience. Um, I think that it's really important to just follow through on that. Um, and so as you're building your personal brand, you have to kind of 
look at who you are as a person and who you want to bring to your business. So of course you want to examine like your values, like how, like what you feel comfortable sharing. Um, is there something that is an important part of, you know, your, your own brand voice and tone that's going to be part of, of your persona, if you will. I know a lot of copywriters are introverts and funny enough, I don't consider myself an extrovert at all. I do not, but I've gotten to the point where I, I've just, I just don't care what people think about it. And it took me a while to get there because in the beginning, I'm like, oh my gosh, my aunt's following me. Like, I don't want her to see this. But then I realized like, this isn't for her. She can follow if she wants, but this is not a message for her. It's for people that I want to connect with. Um, So it's really about practice and deciding your values, deciding how you want to show up and how you feel comfortable showing up and then just putting the reps in. I don't hang out a lot on Instagram, but... (laughs) Every time I open it up, there's Lindsay. You are there a lot. So I'd love to just talk a little bit deeper. And this might tie back into like what you were doing with the blog, because it feels to me like, you know, you'll show up and talk about almost anything. Usually it's marketing related, but there's a lot of other personal stuff in there too. Talk about your philosophy when it comes to Instagram, how often you post, you know, why you do, you know, the, the things that you do on Instagram uh, and the impact that it has on your business. Yeah. Stories is probably my favorite place to be. And the reason is because I really feel like I'm having a conversation with people. And very often it is a back and forth where people will respond to me in in my DMs based on something I said earlier in the day. And I usually find that when I'm sharing something more personal, that's really when people want to connect because they relate to it. So they'll say, oh my gosh, that happened with my kids the other day too. Like, or, you know, um, you know, you were having a really tough day and I was too, but what you said really resonated with me and it kind of helped me feel a little better. And so I I just kind of, I I've been accused of not having a sensor button. Um, I will overshare often. Um, but I am comfortable doing it because I have been doing it for so long and it's gotten to the point where if I feel like I'm having some kind of conversation, it just feels very natural for me. So I almost, I'd prefer to show up on a stories or an Instagram live or something rather than just posting a static a static post because I want the back and forth. That's kind of what I thrive on. Um, and that's why I keep showing up to Instagram. I found that community to be quite interactive and that's why I like it. And how do you make it work for you? You know, so it's strategic and it is helping you build the business. And how do, how do you do it? when you're having a rough day? I mean, because part of it is you're talking about when you have a rough day, but but then there are like real rough days where you just, it's hard to show up. Um, so how do you deal with it then? I I give myself permission to do what feels good to me. And so we're taught like you are showing up for your audience and you know, you're talking to them, it's about them. And it is. But if I'm not feeling inspired or great, I'm not going to show up. Usually I'm not going to show up and just like, just to be there. Something I've always told people who ask about building a brand on social media is I share with them that it has to be something you actually enjoy. It has to be a little bit fun for you or you're one, you're not going to do it. And two, you need to um, get comfortable with having the flexibility to be there when it's the right time for you. And and that's based on your own intuition and being okay with not showing up every day if you can't. 
because in in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that important um, to your life as a whole. And and then in terms of what I'm sharing, I don't have a calendar that I schedule for the week or for the month of like, this post is going out today, this post is going out tomorrow. I have content pillars that I generally stay within um, business-wise, especially if I have something that I'm promoting or launching. Um, I have my a million notes in my phone of content ideas or, or inspiration that I have that I think, oh, that would really fit under this pillar that I'm sharing this week because I have this new program. So I kind of shoot from the hip. Um, that's what feels good to me. But I generally think if you have like three key content pillars of things that line up towards your goals and your business or whatever you want to share, that that's kind of a nice uh, framework to have. And then the impact on your business, like how often do clients reach out? How often does that work transact on Instagram? You know, what does that look like? Yeah. So I've had people reach out um, for copywriting and for coaching. Um, And I've even had referrals from people who said, oh, you know, this person on Instagram referred me to you as a copywriter and I don't even know them. (laughs) And so that's like the best compliment is thinking like somebody here who I, who I also follow, but we don't know each other personally. She lives in another part of the country. She, she thought enough of me from what I'm showing up as online to refer somebody to me. So, um, so I've had, I've had that come through Instagram. I've also gotten clients from Instagram because I am in their audience and I have kind of become somewhat of a, of an expert in their brand just from following them. So you know, I've pitched somebody through DMs before and and became her copywriter for a project. So that was cool. So it, to me, again, it all kind of comes back to building relationships. Um, and then also on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a wonderful place, uh, especially for copywriters, where you're really getting more into the business side of of your of um, of connections and people who really need copy services. So I've gotten clients through LinkedIn as well on the copywriting side. Yeah, and you do stand out on LinkedIn because your content is more personal and it's not the typical LinkedIn content in that feed. Um, I'm just also wondering, you know, how do you work with clients? Because I think, because I know we work together in the think tank and I know more about your business, you can do just about anything for your clients. And sometimes that's a great thing. And sometimes it can feel like a disadvantage when you're marketing and selling to clients. So how how do you deal with that and turn it into an advantage on sales calls? Yeah, I have struggled the whole time with niching <laughs> from the from the early days of the accelerator to now even I have had a hard time committing to a niche and I've tried it a couple times but because of my wide variety of experiences in like so many industries and in so many different realms of marketing I didn't want to settle into one thing because I really like the variety of doing a lot of things. And what I really like doing is building a relationship with a client and being able to dig deep into everything they're doing. So more like of a strategist, uh, you know, besides just writing the copy. Um, So it has been challenging, especially lately, as I feel like um, people are being very... um, People are being very cautious about where they're spending marketing dollars, of course. Um, and that's understandable. Um, but my preference is I would love to be like your go-to copy person. And because we have a relationship here, um, 
I have the opportunity then to dive even deeper with you and see where maybe there's gaps. You know, maybe your email campaign could use a little bit of love. Maybe, um, maybe your social media feed could be a little bit more personalized. So I love kind of seeing the whole big picture of a brand or of a client's work and being able to support them with different kinds, different types of copy depending on what they need. All right, let's jump in here for just a second, add a little context to some of the stuff that Lindsay has been sharing. So immediately, uh, lots of things jump out. I wanna, before we jump into a lot of the stuff that uh, Lindsay was talking about her business, I wanna just mention quickly, just writing for radio. Uh, I know we haven't talked about that a lot. Writing for radio is something that tends to happen in radio stations with copywriters who are working directly for radio stations or in agencies. And there's a really good section of Luke Sullivan's book all about writing for radio uh, that's in Hey Whipple, uh, his book. And we talked, I think, briefly with Luke about that as well in our interview with him. So I don't have the number in front of me, but if you want to hear more about that, it is definitely a different kind of media. You don't have any visual clue for your listeners. And so you've got to be entertaining or break through the, the noise that's there. Uh, so anybody who's interested in that, just jump in and check that out in his book. All right, let's talk about what Lindsay was sharing. Kara, what, what really stood out to you? Lindsay's whole approach to building her business is just something that speaks to me. I think it's similar to my approach. That's why I appreciate it. She's all about just testing, trying. Um, her philosophy is nothing's permanent. And so Lindsay pivots until she figures out where she wants to land. And she may land there for a couple of months or maybe a couple of years. And then she may pivot again. And I think she just brings the right mindset to this whole process because we all have to pivot anyway, but she's coming into it with the right the right frame of mind so that it's easier. And that's something that we've been able to see her do. It's not always easy to do that, uh, but her approach is, is really smart and has helped her, especially more recently. Yeah, I, I really also liked what she was, when we were asking about the blog that she started forever ago and just the, the process the discipline required for writing every day. Even when you're busy, you're tired, you've got the schedule in front of you. And some of the things that she shared there about keeping the idea list and just knowing that she's got to be writing every day. You and I don't write to our list every single day. Uh, at least individually, we don't. We try to send something out at least during the week every day, but it's not always from us. And that is a discipline. It is hard to get that writing done and get everything out on a regular basis, even when we're only doing it two or three times a week. So I, I admire that. And uh, it's something that more of us need to be doing. Even if we're not sharing with our list, we should be writing every day. Yeah, I struggle to get our email out once a week. I'm writing once a week, sometimes twice a week, but even that can feel like a struggle. But once you get into the routine, it's a little bit easier and you can kind of get that schedule down. So um, yeah, I need to create that idealist like Lindsay and keep everything in one place. That seems to be the biggest struggle of mine and something that she's already figured out. Lindsay's also great at putting herself out there, which you can hear from the entire conversation. I've been pitched personally by Lindsay. Um, I've seen her pitches. She's actually great at kind of nailing that pitch, um, but she's willing to plant seeds and to put herself out there and to, to feel a little uncomfortable and um, to not bring too much ego into the process. So I've seen her do that even recently 
I mean, she did it to build her business, which is why she grew quickly. And she mentioned that, but she's also done it recently and just booked a few new projects like as of this past week because she's been pitching like crazy. So I just appreciate that she is not afraid to do that and put herself out there. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, you and I talked on the podcast in that episode just between you and us or you and me about what was working for copywriters and those that are succeeding. And Lindsay's a really good example of this. This is exactly what it takes if you're going to pitch, if you're going to be making these connections. You do. You have to bury your pride, put aside your ego, like you were saying, and look at it like planting seeds as opposed to asking for work. Uh, because Lindsay's creating relationships and sometimes they pay off immediately, but more often they pay off down the road. And those are the kinds of things that you can go back to then when things do go get hard, when you do lose your clients and the work that you have as Lindsay was sharing earlier on in, in the interview. And she's she doesn't just show up in the inbox with her pitches. She shows up on social media. Um, she shows up even just in the programs she's a part of. In our think tank, she shows up to just about every Tuesday check-in call that we host. And it's an optional call. You don't have to show up, but Lindsay is great at, if she's a part of something, she is fully a part of it and you will see her and you will get to know her. And that's just how she operates. And I think it, we could all learn from that, even if that doesn't come naturally to us, but that's part of being in a business is you have to show up somewhere. Otherwise people don't know what you do and they definitely don't know that they can hire you. Yeah, and what Lindsay was sharing about being authentic, that word has been thrown around so much over the last few years and I think misunderstood as well. A lot of people think that you know, sharing everything negative, whatever, is being authentic and maybe that's how it works for them. But just being that person who is there, who is ready to help, who is... Uh, I think she mentioned showing up in your pajamas, if that's what comes natural to you. I don't think I would ever show up in my pajamas, but showing up however you are, however you are real, I think is an important part of that. She does that, like you're saying, almost every day on Instagram. You know, she talked a little bit about um, being more personal on LinkedIn and how to do that. And Really, it's just being yourself as opposed to you know, putting on the copywriter voice and writing like a copywriter or putting on the consultant hat and feeling like everything has got to be um, not, not necessarily perfect, but professional in a way that doesn't come across as being natural. Yeah, her brand is consistent. So if you hang out with Lindsay in person, which we've been able to do, um, it's the same person as the brand that she reflects online because she's just doing what feels good to her. Uh, and she also is great at sharing her viewpoints, which I know she's experimented with more recently on LinkedIn and on social media, just to be really, you know, just to say what she stands for, what she values. Uh, she's got some strong opinions that I appreciate. We all have them, but she's willing to put them out there to differentiate her brand from all of the other brands out there. And then I appreciate that she also talks about having fun. And I know that's a big part of what feels good to her. And so she does pay attention to that. It's She doesn't grind it out um, with activities that aren't fun for her. And I think that's something that you know I know I can learn from her because I don't always lean into fun. Um, I'll lean into pain before I lean into fun. But um, that comes more easily to her. And it's just a good reminder that we can all pay attention to that. What feels easy? What feels fun? What could we do more of? Because there's probably something there that is working. 
Yeah, there's that idea that people talk about um, when you're looking at your business or anything that you're doing, and that is, what would this be like? What would this feel like? What would I do differently if this was easy? Uh, and maybe we twist that a little bit and say, you know, if this was fun, what, how would my business change? And so if you're struggling, if you, you know, if showing up for what you want to do or for your clients feels like a drag, maybe asking that question, saying, what would this be like if it was fun? And then make those changes because you get to choose how you do business. And if fun is an important part of that, then build it in. Yeah. And there's always a way to do it. There's always just something little you can do to turn that on and make it more fun. If, if you can catch it and realize, okay, something's not working here. How can I make a quick switch in the copy I'm writing or in a project I'm working in, or just sitting down and mapping out my plan for the next six months? How can I make that activity a little bit easier? Um, there's always a way. It doesn't necessarily have to be fun if, if that's not your value. You know, what would this feel like or what would this be like if it was fast? What would this feel like or what would this be like if it was easy? Uh, you know, there you can insert your own adjective or value or whatever it is that you want out of your business, but the question works for all of it. All right, let's get back to our interview with Lindsay, where she shares how her business has changed over the last couple of years. So what other changes have you made in your business, you know, from those earlier days, you know, the HVAC type clients to today, you know, the, these relationships that you're developing, how else has your business changed? Yeah. So I, um, just at the end of last year, I made the decision to go into coaching and I, I struggled with that decision. (laughs) I'm I'm not abandoning copywriting because I love writing. It'll always be part of what I do. I struggled with the decision because being a fan of the online space, especially Instagram, I saw coaches everywhere, the whole, everybody and their brother is a coach for different types of things. And I just thought, <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> like, I, I just, I really struggled with the word coach, but I started a certification program in the fall and I started to learn the actual skills that you need to support people as they're growing, especially in a business setting. Um, that gave me confidence and it kind of put into perspective what it really means to be a coach. And so I I knew as soon as I left my nine to five that I would love to support other people who always wanted to pursue that path, but maybe didn't know how, maybe felt like it was too risky, especially women. I really wanted to be a source of um, of support or even inspiration, like, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. Because I'm certainly nobody special. <laughs> I just, this is something that I didn't even think was possible for me, but it can be possible and it can be very rewarding. So going down that path and um, growing this arm of my business to support other creatives with mindset and business coaching is my new passion project. And it has been very exciting and also it's been a slow go, but I I think that we are all programmed to like want that success right away, especially when we see it or we think we see it other places online. But um, you know, two it's I just celebrated my two year business anniversary and I look back on what has happened in two years and it's really not that long of a time and I've done a lot. So it's kind of keeping to ret- returning to the big picture whenever I can that like I feel really good about this decision and my purpose for for why I'm doing it and that I'm just going to keep getting the reps in, keep showing up for it and, um, and seeing where I can help people. 
Yeah. And I appreciate you being, you know, transparent about the fact that it's not easy to make a transition like this and to launch a new arm of your business. Um, I would love to just hear more about what you've done to make this transition to launch this new arm, like what you've done that's worked, what hasn't worked, just get into kind of the nitty gritty of what it looks like since you're in the middle of it. Yeah. What has worked continues to be getting to know people where they're at. Um, I've been committed this year to showing up in more places. So whether it is on podcasts or in real life here in my in in my neck of the woods and going to more networking events and showing up as mindset and business coach, not just a copywriter. Um, that has been helpful not only for me to kind of step into those shoes, but to get comfortable with sharing why I'm doing this and who I can help with more people, not just in social media, which was very easy and comfortable for me. So I'm really trying to push myself outside of my comfort bubble. Um, and where it has been a struggle um, is there are a lot of coaches out there. Sometimes it feels very oversaturated. Um, people are being cautious about where they spend money and time now. And there's been times where I've doubted that this is the path, but ultimately I can't let go of it. <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe maybe this is the wrong time to be doing a coaching business. Um, there's just so many coaches out there. and But then I remember that I was inspired to do this for a reason, and I, I believe in that. So it's kind of the mindset piece of returning to it over and over again that if it's meant to grow, and I believe it will, it will grow. Um, so it's the mindset piece for me, just kind of putting aside the doubts. And, and if I feel in my gut that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm going to keep going in that direction. So it's easy to say, it, you know, I just set aside the doubts, but, you know, how? How do you do that? Uh, you know, when you have that, you know, voice in the back of your head that says, wait a second, you know, hold up, don't do that, don't put yourself out there. How do you deal with that? Well, a few things. One, I have great mentors. Um, I I go to therapy for my own business in my head, all the mind trash that we have up there. Um, I have a practice of my own, which for me, it's journaling. I, as a writer, it's really easy to just dump it out onto paper. And um, my fourth thing is the permission to step back. So when things are feeling like overwhelming or just completely like I'm not sure of what I'm doing, I have given myself permission to step back from social, even from think tank, even from um, you know putting an offer together to just take a minute because when you can step back and allow yourself quiet, like in go go to be in nature or go take a, a weekend to yourself, those are when that's when the clarity comes. I find so between having support in a community. And doing the work you can, like through therapy or whatever works for you, um, and then giving yourself permission to, to take a break for a minute, a week, a month even, if you can, and get that clarity. That is what has helped me kind of get to a place where I can say, I'm going to keep going. And I would love to hear more about the functional parts of this too, you know, when you decide, okay. I'm a copywriter. I need to keep that business going, but I also am now stepping into coaching. 
what do you need to put together? What does that offer look like? How do you share that with the world to start inching your way towards that new direction? It has been challenging um, to have the two arms of the same business. And I have played with that since I launched the coaching part. Um, And I can't say I have it all figured out yet. I'm still working through it. But I know who I want to work with as a copywriter and who I have supported and who um, who I can support. So I've tried to keep that in one lane of this is the content for them. These are the offers for them. And then on the other side of it, the coaching is I really want to support other people in creative industries, you know, marketing professionals, copywriters, designers, photographers, people that work in this creative space, which It feels quite different, I think, from people who maybe are an accountant or a lawyer. I think we operate differently. So I really know what that's like to be in that space, whether it's as an entrepreneur or in corporate. Um, So all of my coaching messaging and packages are really about investigating what that group needs, Um, whether it's they're looking to leave their nine to five or they have a business of their own, but they're feeling stuck or they want to pivot a lot of these are places I have been. So sharing my experiences with that group um, and just being open about ways that I can support them because of the experiences I've had has really helped me make those connections as a coach, um, aside from being a copywriter. You recently launched a podcast. Tell us about that and how it dovetails with what you're doing as a coach and a copywriter. Yeah, I I really wanted to launch a podcast. I actually launched a very short-lived podcast in the early days of the pandemic, um, and it was all about TV shows. And I hope to return to it someday because that would have been fun. Uh, newborn life didn't permit that. But this podcast is called Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. And I have had this idea on, in my heart for more than a year now of the idea of reprogramming beliefs and conditionings and things, stories that we've told ourselves about, about anything really about business and, and, uh, about working, about life, about motherhood. And I think that we tend to tell ourselves these stories and we start to believe them. So whether it's like, oh, I'm, I'm just destined to be tired every day and just, you know, be in survival mode and go through the motions, or I have to stay in corporate because this is the only way I can have sustainable income. I think these are things that we are conditioned to believe after telling ourselves over and over again, this is the only option. So reprogramming was a a new way for me to show up and have great conversations with people about thinking about things through a different perspective. And I'm so happy that it's launched and that it's something that I can keep working on and meeting new people and sharing it with more people. And what do you think is possible when we are able to reprogram and rewrite these stories. What what do you see beyond that? I think it gives people hope, actually. I think that the idea that for so long I've believed one thing, but after thinking about it a different way, I actually see there's more possibilities here than maybe what I thought. Um, for me, and a very personal example is I've had a lot of physical health struggles the last couple of years. And I have always told myself, well, that's just kind of your destiny because your family has health problems and, you know, this is what 
life is going to look like for you. And what a silly story to have told myself for like my whole adult life. Since I've been able to think more about shifting that perspective, everything has changed for me. And I feel hopeful again, like I don't have to live that life. That's not my story. It's all a story that we're telling ourselves. So um, I would love to inspire more people to think differently about things and then really be able to find joy and hope again in in their personal life or in their work life. And that's what I hope this podcast brings. So now I want to be a guest so you can reprogram all of my negative stories. Rob, don't get jealous, but I'm going to be a guest on Monday. So, uh, well, I mean, there's some reprogramming that needs to happen there too. Guess, so. Ouch. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that is true. That is. Lindsay, you got to work here. Is it a therapy session? Because I hope so. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but I can say sometimes people leave feeling a lot lighter. Yeah. Reprogramming, please. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Okay, so what else is going on in your business, Lindsay? I, I mean, you've made some big shifts. Adding coaching, adding a podcast. Like, are you thinking, wow, maybe maybe I should take a step back and sit down and rest for a little while, or what else is happening? Honestly, I am taking a little step back. Now, I'm not. I'm not shutting anything down or anything like that. But I don't think I've allowed myself to realize how much that I've done um, in this sh- pretty short amount of time. Um, it's a lot to fit into two years. So I actually am in this moment of stepping back and maybe taking in content a little bit less on social. And, you know, maybe instead of listening to all the podcasts in my weekly repertoire, maybe I'm listening to music I really enjoy. Maybe I'm going to go to a concert next week. I am. I can't wait. Um, you know, kind of starting to fill, fill myself back up on the personal end so I can be open to what's next. So I'm, I'm super excited about continuing copy work and building this coaching business um, where I'm supporting creatives. And now my new baby, the podcast. So it's a lot on one's plate. (laughs) And now I'm going to keep working on being able to enjoy it and celebrate it. And I think that from that place, the the next step will appear. Yeah. I definitely thought you were in business longer than two years. It feels Considering everything you've done, it seems like it's at least five years. Um, I would like to talk about you stepping into the spotlight, which goes along with the new podcast. Uh, but you know, when we've chatted about this, you've, you've been really open about confessing, like, I am ready to be in the spotlight or, you know, on stage star of the show. Like I want that. And so I guess my question for you is like, is, has that been hard for you to reprogram your own story to own that or has that come easily? And then once you own that, what does that mean? What does that look like other than launching the podcast? Well, the one path that I did not share about my early journey was that I wanted to, the third path was to go to New York City and become a Broadway star. That was what I wanted to do. There it that is. That doesn't sound like an introvert <laughs> there it type is. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I chickened out. I did not do that. Um, and so performing and uh just i don't know i have i have a performance part of me that i like to be out there and i i want to speak more but you know as you guys may or may not know i am in a cover rock band um where i am the lead singer and that kind of fills my cup in that area <laughs> okay, wait i did not know I, this and i, I don't think i, I, I want to interrupt i don't want to interrupt the answer but what's the cover what? band who who do you cover we cover 
everything, 80s, 90s alternative. Um, our band name is Ronnie and the Dashers, and Ronnie is my alter ego. So <gasps> how has this just come up now? <laughs> yeah, seriously, we're finding this out So two years after we first met you. Yeah. So the, the thing is, I kind of believe in having an alter ego if you need that, because I needed that. I'm not always, I'm not comfortable always in my skin being out on the stage, but I have, it, it brings me true joy to do it, to sing and to be out there. I actually have an easier time singing than speaking publicly, which is strange. But um, I feel at this point in my life, I'm, I'm certainly not perfect every day. I certainly have my times where I'm just like, I'm just not going to leave my house for like a week. That's fine. Um, but I, I know the joy that I get from showing up and being out there and how much fun it can be. So that has inspired me to have this alter ego, e- alter ego, Ronnie. Uh, it's like my Sasha Fierce. I'm a Beyonce fan too. Okay. So I, I just, I don't know. I've gotten more comfortable with owning it. And I, I don't, I know not everybody has that, but it's, it's part of me. <laughs> yeah. This might, this might be a hard question to answer because I, I wasn't aware that you had that side of you. And I was going to ask, well, okay, for somebody who wants to get started, you know, putting themselves out there, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's on social media or stories on Instagram or, or LinkedIn or whatever, what advice would you give them? But I have a feeling some people listening are going to be like, well, that works for Lindsay because she has Ronnie and I have nothing like that. But I'm still <laughs> going to ask the question, what advice yeah. would you give to somebody who wants to start to step out? Rob, you have you have Robbie. That's yours. See, that's I don't think that's my alter ego. I'm gonna have to think of a better name for Robbie for that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that you start small. You don't get out there and go to karaoke. Maybe it is karaoke, but uh, you start small. So if if you're somebody who's not comfortable showing up on camera, like don't show up on camera right away. Show up on a podcast or even record yourself talking on your own phone just to put the reps in. I'm a big believer of kind of jumping in and, and doing the practice because it does get easier every time you do it. Um, and yeah, what's a small way that you can show up either as your alter ego, why not make one? You don't have to tell anybody about it. Um, or just showing up as yourself and getting comfortable with being yourself. Um, so I think small bites and practice are the keys to becoming more comfortable doing that. So is your music on your podcast? No, no, but I don't, there's not a really good excuse. I I need to make my podcast intro, shouldn't I? I mean, yeah, I have a band. They would do it. You should totally sing it. Yeah. Sing your intro. Yeah. It should be, yeah. I don't know. You want to know what's funny though? I am a writer. I've never been able to write my own song. Isn't that weird? This is your chance. You're a writer. You sing. You've got a podcast. It all lines up. That's right. Uh, I want to make sure we have time to talk about one more thing before we start to wrap. Um, can we talk about Rob's angry email? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Rob wrote this email. And if you're listening and you read our emails, you may re- recall this one. It was maybe a month or two, probably two months ago. I think I think it, calling it the angry email is a little unfair. Multiple people I don't think have I said was angry. Multiple, you weren't angry, but it came <laughs> off that Rob was angry. It was, or it, was, it was maybe a little. It was maybe a little truthful, and a, it was hard yeah. truths that I was sharing. Yeah. yeah. So can it you just recall, like, 
you don't have to recite the email. I wish I had it in front of me, but just <laughs> what it said that you recall, what spoke to you, and then what you did with that information. Yeah. Rob shook me out of a, of a haze of, of self-pity. <laughs> uh, I had a rough start to the year. I lost all my retainer clients unexpectedly in January. And I closed last year at the top of the mountain. I felt like I had arrived. And so I know I was in a place of feeling bad about that. And um, in our group, in the think tank, you know, we all are so supportive and everyone was sharing stories. And a lot of people were in this kind of similar situation. And uh, the struggles channel was filled. Okay. And so <laughs> it was <laughs> it was after that, we got this very kind of tough love email from copy dad. And he's like, basically like, Hey, get out, get out of your own way, pick yourself up, go out there and pitch because you're not going to get clients sitting here feeling bad for yourself. And that is not what it said, but that is what hit me. That's what hit home for me. And from there I was like, Oh my gosh, Rob is right. I can't just sit here and feel bad about this. Like just take the drama out of it and go pitch people. And that email has resonated and has sat with me this whole year. So thank you, Rob, for pulling out the tough love. I needed it. It got me, uh, pushed me into motion. Uh, yeah. Now maybe I need to send out more angry emails. I don't know <laughs> if, uh, if it, but uh, you know, if those messages help, I'm happy. I'm happy that it made that contribution to you, Lindsay, for sure. Yeah. I think yeah. it, I think it pulled a lot of people out of their own funk. So yeah, I think I remember at the time I was, in a little bit of a funk too. And I was yeah. like, okay, Rob, I guess I'll try <laughs> harder. <laughs> I, I must have been feeling something in the air. And I, I mean, it, I didn't have any one in particular that I was thinking about, but uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I, like, we keep hearing these things over and over, like the economy's bad, I'm losing all my clients and there's nothing I can do. And you know, how do I struggle? And, and it just goes to this idea of taking radical responsibility. Yeah, it isn't your fault. But the only way out of it is on you 100%. You can't change the economy, but you can change whether you're going to pitch another client. You can't change whether a client says yes to your proposals, but you can change that you're making contacts and able to send out those proposals. You know, you, you can't change a lot of things, but there are things that you can change. You can change your niche. You can change your products, the products that you offer. You can change your pricing. You can change the clients that you work with, all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, so none of us should be sitting around saying, well, it's not my fault. There's nothing I can do because- But it's not my time. fault, but it really you is not just, my fault. <laughs> it isn't. You're right. It's not your fault, but there is something you can do to fix it. And that's we, where it comes into. We all need to hear that. And I think every single one of us that opened that email thought it was about us. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't about any one particular person, I promise. Well, imagine <laughs> Lindsay as his business partner. I was like, he's definitely oh. writing to me. Maybe I was writing to me. So yeah, yeah. most of my emails are to me. They, who is it? Somebody said, you know, the thing you teach best is the thing you need to learn That's the most. True. And That's so, true. You know, may have been to me. All right. Yeah. So Lindsay, why don't you just share as we wrap what, um, how copywriters, content writers, creatives listening could work with you. Um, definitely with coaching, mindset coaching, because we all know we need help. I always do. So how can we work with you there? And then um, where else can we find you? So I'm actually working on some summer offers right now because as I mentioned, I'm looking to simplify. I know most people are doing the same thing. So I'm going to be releasing those soon. But right now, um, I have a few different copy packages you can find out 
more about them at lindsayhyatt.com. And on the coaching front, um, I've really been love, loving doing these dream sessions that I have, which are 60 minutes of really just digging deep into where you're at now and where you really want to go. Not what you should do, but where where you could go in the next year, in the next five years. And um, by having these dream sessions with different creatives, oh man, we've opened up so many doors to possibilities and then start to put a roadmap together on how to get there. So that's a great place to start if you're looking for some mindset or business coaching support. Um, And as you mentioned, Rob, I am on Instagram way too much. Uh, You can find me there (laughs) at the Lindsay Hyatt. Um, I'm always up for a DM chat anytime. All right. Thanks, Lindsay, for joining us, sharing so much about your business and what's going on and uh, reminding even me that maybe it's time to take some responsibility. Appreciate that. Wait, before you hit stop, I have one, one more question. Quick question, quick answer, Lindsay. We didn't even ask you about your experience in the think tank, which is totally mm. our own plug, but could you share in a minute just like what has helped you the most specifically about your time in the think tank? Well, the community is always top notch. Um, I, the support for each other is always just the best that I've found across any any other program I've ever done. Um, so that's lovely. But having the time to work through my business and just get brutally honest about where I'm at and where I want to go with you and Rob, um, our the 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 mapping sessions that we've done, Kira, have been not only inspirational but they've also helped me get my ideas onto paper and see them in such a beautiful way. You do such a nice job there um, (laughs) on the mapping. And so it really makes me feel like I have these things I want to do and here's how they can happen. And let's take bite-sized steps to get there. And I think we all need that to get out of our own head and the big ideas and really get it onto paper and, and see, okay, the tiny steps to get there. So that's been so helpful to me. And love the Copywriter Club think tank forever. Awesome. And now we can wrap. And now we can (laughs) wrap. (laughs) That's the end of our interview with Lindsay Hyatt. Before we go, let's touch on a few more things that stood out. Rob, what stood out to you? So Lindsay's shift from exclusively copywriting to doing coaching for some of her clients and coaching in the things that she does as a writer is something that we've talked with several copywriters about and that some copywriters enjoy and want to shift their business. So obviously, Lindsay is figuring that out in her business and what that looks like. Uh, it's not the easiest thing to the easiest shift to make in a business because as a coach, people are looking for different things than what we tend to do when we show up one on one, you know, when they want copy, or the things that copy gets them as a coach, they want mastery, they want understanding, they want to be able to do some of this stuff yourself or ourselves. And, you know, Lindsay is is sort of working through that shift and showing up in different ways to fill those different roles in her business. I like it. Uh, and it's just eye-opening to see how different copywriters look at their businesses in different ways and explore different offers for their clients. Yeah, and she said she she has not been able to let go of this mindset coaching piece, even though it sounds like in some ways when she talks about it, she would rather let go of it because it's hard. It's a hard transition to make, uh, but she hasn't been able to let go of it. And I think that's just worth paying attention to because there are things that I haven't been able to let go of. And if I check 
you know, a journal or an email I sent to a friend from 10 or 15 years ago, there are things I was talking about then that I'm still pursuing now. And it's pretty amazing, like how long we, we have these inclinations to do these things. Um, and it's worth paying attention to, even if it's hard to make that transition. Uh, and that's what I love about Lindsay is she really understands what she wants to do and what she does not want to do. She has such a high level of self-awareness and knowing how what works for her and what doesn't work for her. You know, as we were talking too about her new podcast and how she's leaning into that new opportunity, it just got me thinking about the idea of reprogramming or challenging our beliefs. I know that was kind of the the focus of almost the entire end of that episode. Uh, but, I, you know, I just took a moment to step back and think, okay, what are some of the things that I need to change my beliefs around, you know, when it comes to business or personal life? And I think that's a really useful exercise that all of us should be doing. We, we do these things uh, in business or in life and they become habitual and they become easy or, or comfortable. And oftentimes we don't push ourselves outside of that comfort zone. And so it's really useful just to, to be challenging, you know, those beliefs. I love that she's doing it on the podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing your episode when you get to uh, talk about that life with her. Yeah, she's a great interviewer. I actually enjoyed, I enjoyed that process and being on her show. And I, do not enjoy a lot of podcast interviews. It's a little <laughs> bit of ir irony there, uh, since you are a podcast host. I think I have a higher expectation because we're hosts, but she did a great job, asked great questions. She's a good listener. And um, and it did feel like therapy. I felt lighter after the episode. So um, there is something to the whole reprogramming process. And uh, I've been yeah thinking a lot about that since her interview. It's definitely something that we can all think more about. What else stood out to you, Kira? I think the last thing is her cover rock band experience as a rock star and how that came out at the very end of the conversation. But it's this big piece of her identity that she, since she was a kid, she wanted to be a performer. And she has been really clear in, in the conversation, the episode, but also just when I've chatted with her about how she really likes the spotlight and not a lot of copywriters do. I mean, there are many that do, but not everybody. And she's just been very willing to own that, even though at times I think it has felt uncomfortable to say, I just love being in the spotlight. Like there's some shame around it, which we, there, we don't have to feel. And so it's cool to see her really fully embrace that because it's such a big part of her identity and pull it into her business so that it actually can work for her. Yeah, the idea of the alter ego, I think, was made famous by Todd Herman, that book, The Alter Ego Effect, but that we do show up in different roles in so many places in our lives. Uh, you know, I, I recognize I, I talk to my kids differently than I talk to you know, people on the podcast or that I coach. And uh, even though we're unaware that we do it sometimes, we are, we're, we're different people in the different roles we are. And so just embracing that and saying, hey, I can actually show up in a very different way. You know, I can I can show up uh, if I'm introverted. I can you know be that person that gets on stage for an hour and yeah, it does burn energy. It, you know, the, all that stuff that goes into it. And then you can step back off, relax, take it easy. Uh, we don't have to show up. Uh, and and it's interesting because we were talking about authenticity earlier. It doesn't mean that you're inauthentic either in showing up in a different role. You're just showing up in a different way that serves your clients better, serves your serves your audience better, does something differently. It's still authentic to who you are. So it's it's uh, 
yeah, it's, I, I love that idea. And I, I think we do it a little bit when we get on stage too, or we're, even when we're on the podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. I don't act like <laughs> at all. You get to be the, I want to see Kira as the podcast host at home. Okay. Oh, we're like... bringing our first guest onto the show today. Uh, how's it going, Harper? You know what though? There are parts that are definitely consistent though. I ask a lot of questions of my kids. I basically interview them during dinner time, just as if there was a podcast mic right there. We should record so. that sometime and uh, yeah, yeah, share that with the world. That'd be interesting. We want to thank Lindsay Hyatt for joining us on the podcast to talk about her journey and her business and how she's built that business today. If you want to connect with her, head over to lindsayhyatt.com. Be sure to check out her podcast about reprogramming your beliefs. You're going to like it. And that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. Outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you enjoyed today's episode, you could leave a review on uh, on any device. We appreciate any review and we will read it on a future episode. And please check out our new podcast, new-ish podcast. It's not that new. It's new compared to this one, right. uh, all about artificial intelligence and how copywriters are using it in their businesses to get better at what they do and looking at all sides of the conversation around it. You can check that out at AI for creativeentrepreneurs.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club.